Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast where today our lives are in chaos. Uh, I'm in the middle of transferring <laughs> from one shell to another shell, for I'm a giant hermit crab. Uh, and everything is crazy. Uh, we did Gen Con stuff recently. Yeah, a lot of things broken. <laughs> uh-huh, many things have broke. Uh, all of the headphones in my house collapsed. Uh, but you know what? We're scrapping it together. We're gonna, we're gonna live our best lives. We're gonna put gems in our eye sockets, and we're just gonna rock it. We'll ascend this mortal plane. Absolutely. Because today, we're talking about demi-liches. Yeah, dem-liches. Demi-liches. Half-liches. Demi-liches. It may be half a lich, but it's captured my whole heart. <laughs> God damn. It, they're real good. Basically, they're just like, they're, they're, they're skeletors. They're just giant, not even giant, they're just regular-sized skulls that are the remnants of liches that have decided to just, well, either decided to or just let slip their mortal forms. Uh, and now they just clack around like little hilarious skull boys. Yeah, they're accidental leftovers of a lich. Sometimes, sometimes accidental, which like in well, and yeah. of itself <laughs> is an amazing choice to just like, oh, this this <laughs> eternal living thing just fucked up once or twice. And uh, now it's just a Skeletor. <laughs> Quite just good. the head of a Skeletor. Mm-hmm, just the head part of the Skeletor. And then, like, some swirly mist to give it some semblance of structure. Yeah. It's real good. It's real good. It's the it's the 100 emoji, to be sure. <laughs> uh, we'll find that these guys are just, like, really fantastic debuffer kind of creatures. They just kind of float around and rain hell on all sorts of things. And I will find that there were a lot of choices with this particular monster that seemed to harken back to the old save-or-die days. Specifically with the oh, primary yeah, they actions. Oh, made a lot of weird choices. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a very classical monster, and it's even got that classical 80s silliness because it is just a floating around Clacken Skeletor. <laughs> uh, but because, uh, but but furthermore, because of this history with Demi Liches and a very specific adventure module, the Tomb of Horrors, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, when we get into the Aserac stuff. I'll be no help there, because I know nothing about the Tomb of Horrors. I know a little bit. I know a little bit about the original stuff, and then also about the remaster. Uh, so I'll I'll shepherd us. I'll I'll be I'm the excited. I'll be the little skull lantern that takes us on the way. <laughs> so without any further ado, let's clack on into this bitch, Lich, Lich. I can't I can't do the. I was gonna clack my teeth together, but my teeth are sensitive, so. <laughs> ah. Ah, I tried. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. All right. So, like, that's just a skull. Yeah, artistically, it's a skull. Boom, and the art stuff is done. Let's go on. No, <laughs> no, it's a skull, but it's like the jolly, it's like a j- real Jolly Roger up in here. That's the jolliest Roger oh, yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, it's a skull, it's a skull. At first, like, it's just a beautifully nice, like, painterly skull. It does feel, it has that, like, and, like, all cards on the table, it might be because of the gems in its eyes and the gold teeth, but it does have a very, like, 80s pirate Penny Dreadful kind of, like, this is just <laughs> an adventure novel from way back when. yeah. It for sure looks like the cover of a book. Like, if you isolated this image, it looks like it could just be the cover of a book. Yeah, like, just a ripped dude with He-Man hair is carrying the skull in his hands. Like, I can... <laughs> it, it feels right and 
tonally appropriate in a way that I don't think we've seen yet. Like the the Death Knight stuff was cool because it had that West Asian kind of influence stuff, but it still felt like totally the appropriate. Ottoman. The the Bullet was this very cool, powerful kaiju monster, which seemed appropriate. But this is the first time that like the art style that we get feels like that very ridiculous high fantasy kind of thing for a ridiculous high right. fantasy kind of monster. It feels classic and and rent right. Yeah, yeah, it feels it feels tonally appropriate in a very cool way that I appreciate quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but but like beyond that, it does it just straight up looks like a pirate skull. It's got like these emeralds up in its eye sockets. Its teeth are gold or maybe rotted away to green. I'm super colorblind, I can't tell. Uh it's kind of both. There it's hard to tell. They look so- the, so the lighting on the picture makes them look yellow, uh, but like it seems I like it's it, it seems like it's the same color as the gems, right? Yeah, the teeth and the gems look like the same color. So so like that leads me to assume that instead of gold teeth, this 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 fine chap went the next step up and went for emerald teeth, like gem teeth. <laughs> Which like, sounds pretty rad, actually. Yeah, like diamonds are the hardest things. <laughs> I'm gonna need some. I gotta reinforce my clackers. Throw some emeralds up in my my grill. G. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So like, so like, I like that. If only for the the pirate tone that's going on. The skull is chipped yeah. and cracked in a whole bunch of ways, but it's not too weathered. It does just straight up look like a Skeletor. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's... a realistic Skeletor. I I was for a second for a second. I thought that the little chipped part of the the na- the nose the nasal hole yeah I thought that little chipped part was a bug I thought it was hair like I thought he was just you know <laughs> he's so old he's got the nostril hairs peeping out of his skull <laughs> like they just grew up in there and then latched into the bone I think it's some chipped shit no, no, no I definitely course corrected after I thought it was hair peeping out of the nose <laughs> but uh I I like to think that it, I did you know I have some affection for that idea yeah. I uh I don't have a lot to say about this one other than like I really like the art style. I really like the framing of it, how simple it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I would have maybe liked to have seen a B-roll drawing of just like the whole puff of smoke maybe swirling around an adventurer or something just to get a sense for why a demi lich is kind of terrifying because this is a late game very powerful creature. Uh I yeah. I understand that it would be undercutting the silliness of the skull a little bit. But, like, it doesn't have to be, like, badass. It can just be grand. It could right? be literally a drawing from, like, uh, a second edition book of just a funny-looking skull floating around a dead adventure, just kind of like, Yeah, Aah! Yeah, just chattering away at it, or maybe taking a bite out with the emerald teeth. Or, like, a really cartoony B-roll drawing of, like, a soul leaving a body and getting sucked into the, the, the skull. Yeah, that would be quite good. Or like the Demi Lich's monologuing over the skull of a dead adventurer. That would, then it would just be two skulls. Just a floating skull monologuing to a floating skull. Hell yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I need. That'll do it for me. That's my very specific fetish. Mm-hmm. Two skulls floating next to each other. So the lore that we get for the Demi Lich, there's not too much to it, which feels by design. Similarly to the Death Knight, this is kind of supposed to be a big old badass boss kind of creature. So they're just giving you scant details about what makes a Demi-Lich so you can fill in the personality stuff yourself. And as we saw with Lord Soth, we do get the Lord Soth equivalent of Demi-Liches with this, with this, this, this fine chap, Aserak. 
that we'll talk about in just yeah. a second. So basically, like, it's just a skull that is the remnant of a lich. Like, so how a lich works, they just feed souls into their phylactery, which is basically like their horcrux. It's the thing that condenses their essence and keeps them from dying and instead gives them undeath. But basically, what happened is a, a <laughs> lich will just sometimes just be so old. Like, it's just kind of like, you know infinity means that anything could happen eventually so eventually the lich just messes up and doesn't feed a soul up to their phylactery and then they just like turn to dust or in some cases they've just been around for so long that their brain deteriorates they just hollow like a dark souls and then they just stop feeding souls to their phylacteries <laughs> did you sneeze or did you get very scared i couldn't tell <laughs> no i just like I don't know what happened, but something flew in my nose, and holy shit, I had, like, the most surprise sneeze. Oh, cool, because that sounded oh. like the kind of sneeze that that was. It sounded both like a sneeze and also very scared. <laughs> so basically, they just forget to feed a soul, and then their body disperses and turns to dust, leaving behind their skull and some vapor, and they just kind of sit there for eternity, yelling at intruders to death. It's basically just old man lich. Yeah, it really it really makes the whole lichdom thing feel like the real monkey's paw of immortality. Absolutely, it does, it does. Well, it's that kind of thing where, you know, their hubris only extends so far in that, you know, a creature that is mortal by nature cannot exist forever because we're inherently fallible. And so we literally just cannot, yeah. you know, keep up being eternal forever for this exact reason, which is kind of cool and kind of appropriate. <laughs> Yeah, we try our hardest, we try our best, and we don't succeed. Yeah, well, like, it's just too much. Like, you're gonna mess up sometime, says death, and there we are. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I do love that image of some person opening a crypt, and then Skeletor just, until the <laughs> adventurer dies <laughs> from fear of that scream. Just, just boo! Whoa! And everyone dies. And then, yeah, they just flat out eat it. Just straight up ice a dude by skeletoring at them. It's quite good. I like it quite a bit. Oh, yeah. So, an important note, even after a lich is reduced to this diminished state, the phylactery still exists, right? So it is still technically a lich. And consequently, as long as this phylactery is intact, the demi-lich can resurrect itself. It can't be permanently destroyed like a death knight. It will just reform after 1d10 days, restoring its, its skull and having all of its abilities all the same. Um, supposedly, if the Demi-Lich just oops a soul back into its phylactery, it can reclaim itself and reconstitute its body. But this is kind of weird with some other stuff that we get in the future about how Demi-Liches work. Yeah, like, yeah it's sort of like counter, counter, contradicts itself later. Yeah, absolutely it does in a very strange way. And I guess, like, fuck it, we might as well just talk about it now, because the rest of this is just layer actions and whatnot yeah we can jump over to the rest of the lore we get for skeleton the skeletor of demi liches yeah so so yeah basically like you know if you destroy it it'll reform after 1d10 days the it has undead nature it doesn't need to breathe or eat or drink or sleep kind of a weird little addendum uh about how the stats of this thing work the book tells us that the demi lich is so willful that it always has the maximum number of hit points for its hit dice range instead of just the average number of hit points which is weird i imagine this was the result of a lot of beta testing as to how many hit points a demi lich should have because it doesn't have very many yeah but it's just a weird little way like it's strange to see this hand waved 
where none of the other monsters work like this. Yeah, Whatever. and like, yeah, it's just it's it's also weird because like I went up to see like, oh, how many hit dice do they give it? Then they they still like list the hit dice and their d fours. Yeah, it's just weird. It's Twenty d four for a total of eighty. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of ways they could have like. <laughs> figured that out <laughs> well like it's a tiny creature and i think tiny creatures traditionally get d4s for their hp uh it's oh, just I the, the a... yeah it's just the multiple of hit dice is kind of arbitrary uh yeah i think that's the rationale for that but yeah those are the those are the things let's talk about Aserak real quick yeah i like this guy from the sound of him i know nothing about him but yeah well he's just skeletor he's the D equivalent of skeletor okay i need to know yeah Aserak or Aserarak? I really don't want to say Aserarak, so I'm just gonna... It feels appropriate, like Aserarak, <laughs> though that E is just the thing that keeps the two R sounds from being one, maybe. Aserarak. <laughs> All right. Like, if you split... If you didn't... If you took off the ack, the rack part of Aserak, it would just be uh-huh. Aserar. So, like, I don't know, maybe they threw right. in that... I, I just really... Please don't make me say Aserarak. Okay. Like, I understand that he's a silly Skeletor monster, but that's pressing it just a little bit too much for me. That's my limit. Aserarak! Aserarak! I might flip back and forth, depending on how I feel, so don't at me. Uh, Okay. So, Aserak was this uh, Demi-Lich. He was the main boss at the end of Tomb of Horrors, which is a very infamous D&D module from way back at the beginning. Gary Gygax infamously was like, Oh, damn, this is... I'm dealing with my endgame party. I just want to create an adventure module that'll kill all these fuckers and will be the the measure by which uh, good party composition will be tested, but most of it was just save or die shit anyway, so it was mainly luck. Yeah. So Aserak was the demi-lich at the end of that, the lich demi-lich at the end of that. The book tells us, the, the new 5th edition context for Aserak is that demi-liches don't necessarily need to be the oops state for liches. Some liches supposedly will do this consciously in order to, like, give up their physical forms and just traverse the planes as a spirit, as a conscious spirit. So, Aserak and a bunch of liches that follow in his name will abandon their physical lichdom body, uh, put up some soul gems on their skulls in order to do phylactery duty while they just roam the planes in their consciousness. So it's very much like... It is very much like a Voldemort kind of thing where, like, you know, you split your soul, you let your your essence traverse areas and do evil shit while your Horcrux is, like, just hanging out and their defenses to protect it, right? So in this case, mm-hmm. this is, like, the... God, I really don't want to extend this Harry Potter shit too far, but this <laughs> is, like, the Nagini for the Voldemort Horcrux right. in its own way. Which is... It, it, it's weird, right? So, like, the, the book explicitly tells us that the demi-lich part of Aserak is providing souls for the phylactery but the book also tells us that if uh maybe it's like a conscious thing where like i was gonna say it does say can yeah so i think it does have to be like a it has to want to and since they want to be demi liches anyway yeah they're just suppressing that ritual or whatever that keeps them from restoring their physical form i think that's probably it that's that's interesting in which case the Demi-Lich, the skull part in Aserak liches like this, it's basically just like a construct or like you're just setting your body on autopilot while your mind goes and hangs yeah. out in the astral plane, I'm imagining is how this works. Yeah, that do- that is what that seems like. It also makes me think that 
maybe regular demi liches don't actually have the gems in their eyes yeah yeah i think that's specifically it so i do believe that the similarly with lord soth and the death knights the demi lich picture that we get here seems to be expressly aserak so good job aserak you have a cute skeletor head yeah so i guess regular demi liches most likely are just skulls yeah yeah (laughs) And and I think that is specifically why we do get that hilarious Skeletor ass monologue blurb next to the picture. That's like, right. I am death. You cannot defeat me. Only I am beyond death's reach. Exactly, exactly. Which is hilarious and good, and I love it. Yeah. But yes, the book tells us that expressly Aserak put these gems up in his eyes to work like soul gems and keep his lichdom working to some extent, keep maintaining a semblance of power in order to feed, perhaps, the astral, spirit, ethereal, lich part of him. Consequently, there can be... It's the closest thing to mob variety that we get for demi-liches. You can... And I think this is specifically to... uh, I... It feels like this is a very deliberate choice for 5th edition, right? So a 5th edition is supposed to be a return to form, like... All right, fans, I know we got weird with it in 4th edition. Let's go back to how things <laughs> used to be. Here, have this. And then they give you this little addendum where if you want, you can make your Demi-Lich be of the Aserac bent, in which case they get a little bit tougher because they get this crazy action where they basically just make something that they can see within 30 feet of it do a charisma save. And if they fail to save, they just get slurped right up into that soul gem body and all and all their stuff. Yeah. And if they fancy ma- slurp. Yeah, they, it's basically like a real save or die. It is like an old-timey save or die kind of thing. It's, you know, sorry, we'll give you two more horrors in a couple of years. Until then, here's your save or die thing. In the meantime, if they do make that save, the target takes kind of a paltry 2476 necrotic damage. But if the damage reduces the target to zero hit points, they get slurped up into the skull anyway. And if they're yeah, slurped... Yeah, which is wild to me, actually, that that is that. Yeah, whatever. Again, this is a late-game party killer kind of thing. Uh, so, like, at this point, you know, this feels like we're doing this adventure just because we need an excuse to do a new campaign already. So, like, hurt me oh, more, Daddy. Oh, for sure. I, I just mean it's it's wild because, like, most other things in 5th edition like that don't work like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this like, is specifically... Like, yeah. I, I think this is specifically referencing a Tomb of Horrors kind of scenario where you don't, you know, it's not supposed to necessarily feel fair. It is supposed to be kind of a hurt me more daddy kind of thing. <laughs> save or die, more like save and die. Yeah. And like, whatever. At this point, the party is slinging around true resurrection anyway. So if they really need it, they can just bring back whoever's getting slurped up. Yeah. At any rate, if a, if a soul is slurped up in there and stays in there for 24 hours, they're devoured, they cease to exist, that's your, like, end state. That is your your true death for your level 20 character. Uh, importantly, as you would expect, if the Demi-Lich in this scenario drops to zero hit points, they're destroyed for a time, the gems are left behind, you can crush the gem, release the soul, get your teammate back, huzzah throw something harder at us, you say to the DM who is tearing out their hair. It does sort of like this little end paragraph of that trap soul thing sort of sounds like the Demi Lich is destroyed, destroyed. I might just be reading it the wrong way, but it like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it is that. 
I think that I think that they still can, you know, use their phylactery to reconstitute their skull. Um, yeah. I think, you know, it's just like, oh, I dropped the stuff on, like when you kill a vampire and they drop their sword or whatever, it's just leaving behind some nice, nice gems for you to smush up on. Or alternatively, you could just like sell it, right? You could just sell your friend, right? Oh, 100%. I would 100% do that. That's the old that's the old famous 3.5 thing where you just trap souls in jars and then you sell the jars of souls. Oh dang. They that would be like a cool heel turn, right? Where like the demi-lich <laughs> is like, "Wait, you can sell this shit, can't you, rogue?" And the rogue is like, "Oh, I see what you're saying." Oh, you're right. You're very right. Which again <laughs> would be kind of a fun way to end that campaign, which you're at the point where you should end that campaign for the love of God. <laughs> Please, epic levels don't need to happen. You yeah, can just yeah. end the campaign. When you get the point <laughs> to where you're giving out boons instead of levels, your D&D game is over. Go kill God and be done with it. But yeah, being a legendary creature, Demi-Liches get all sorts of layer actions and layer effects, which are like regional effects. We talked about this kind of thing in Abolith times, in the good old Abolith times. Uh, layer actions are cool because they can really spice up an encounter. Uh, it's kind of like if you want the if you want this Demi-Lich Skeletor to be a recurring villain, you can have him fight outside the house, and then a couple sessions later they go to his house and they fight him up real good. And this is how you make that fight more challenging. So a Demi-Lich naturally has a challenge rating of 18. If you fight it in the lair, it has a challenge rating of 20. Um, but you get some really cool, like, clutch lair actions where... As, as with all lair actions, on initiative count 20, so at the beginning of the round, well, potentially the beginning of the round, near the beginning of the round, the Demi-Lich rolls a d20. On a result of 11 or higher, the Demi-Lich can take one of these lair actions. It can't do the same effect two rounds in a row, which is good because you'd just be continuously picking the anti-magic one if you could. The first effect that you can do is just rock that booty. You rock that room like a hurricane. It Every creature that is standing <laughs> on the floor of the tomb that's being shook up must succeed on a DC 19 deck save or be knocked prone. The save itself is average for the CR, but 19 deck save is pretty rough for those of you who don't have dexterity proficiency in your saving throws. Oh yeah, for sure. You just get knocked prone, so I'm imagining this is just a defensive measure for if the lich gets if the demi lich gets ganged up on. Uh, yeah, because it, it's it, it can't really like take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, none of its attacks use attack scores they're all pretty much the most dangerous things that the demi lich can do all of the dangerous things that the demi lich can do rely on saving throws so it's fine uh and none of those saving throws are deck saves so it's fine the second action that you can take which is the fan favorite one is the demi lich just picks a creature that it can see within 60 feet of it and does anti-magic field on it taking away all their magic all their magic items whatever crazy stuff they can do as part of class features uh, and they just they just don't have that shit until the next initiative count 20, so the next round. So this is a really good way to debuff anybody who is currently harassing the Demi-Lich or perhaps take some defensive things away from somebody who is resisting the big important saves that the Demi-Lich can do. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is it's, a hell of a layer action. Yeah, I'm imagining this is a preventative measure, right? You just want to lock down the wizard to keep him from doing Meteor Swarm or whatever, or you're trying to lock down yeah. the paladin to keep him from rain in hell with the Holy Avenger or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, this is a hell of a thing to do, and I can imagine this being real, real, real fun for the people who aren't expecting it. Yeah. 
And uh, honestly, the next layer action seems kind of like... It's very synergistic. It works with the rest of the thing, the main thing that the Demi-Lich does. Yeah, it's like by itself, it's nothing. But like in context, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing that will help make the Demi-Lich fight extraordinarily, like vastly, vastly exponentially more difficult than fighting it outside the lair. Like the anti-magic field is bad, but it's not the worst thing ever because it only lasts for a round. It can only happen on one creature. This next thing is the big important thing where the Demi-Lich can target any number of creatures that it can see within 30 feet of it. So whoever's around and none of the targets can regain hit points until the next round, until the next initiative count 20. So we'll find this to be true with the primary actions that the Demi-Lich can take. This is the thing that will lock down and kill party members. Yeah, absolutely. That, like, I can't imagine the stress of, like, just, like, spoiler spoilers. The first action it gets can knock people to zero instantly. Yeah, this is the Ur example of the Banshee fight. <laughs> yeah, imagine, now imagine if the Banshee could do that, and then at the next initiative count, 20 made it so none of the people that just got knocked to zero could be healed up. Yeah, just good that luck is... with your death saves. <laughs> that is horrifying. It's like, it takes all of being level 20 out of the equation. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like, it doesn't take all of being level 20 out of the equation, because somebody probably still has a Rod of Resurrection. So, like, unless oh, you sure. lock down yeah. the Cleric first thing, I'm sure they'll find some way to bypass it. But... Sure, yeah. It's, it's still check, like, whatever. you know, if the team comp isn't that good, this can still ruin everything, which is fine because you're at that point where just fucking kill the party members and move on with it. For sure. Yeah. I do think like I the, when I first saw the layer actions, I thought it was weird that they make the Demi Lich roll a d20 yeah. uh, to do them because yeah. that's not a thing any other layer action does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's because these layer actions are so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. They're very crippling. Uh, but I think they lend themselves to some really cool tactical choices that you can make as the DM, where you're making the choice between either, you know, shutting down the paladin, keeping them from doing a load of damage on your squishy little demi-lich, or, you know, keeping down somebody who you've knocked over. I think that there is a lot of really fun versatility that you as the DM get to pay attention to that you don't often get when you're playing a monster. Yeah, a and a feeling of power. Yeah, dare I say. <laughs> So you get a bunch of, they're called layer traits. They work exactly the same as regional effects. These ones aren't as cute as we got with Aboliths. Uh, these are definitely a lot more uh, mechanically effective than just narratively effective. So take that what you will. Uh, some of these are not as good as the others. So for example, the first one is just that the first time a non-evil creature goes into the tomb that the Demi-Lich lives in, they take 16... 3d10 necrotic damage which like whatever yeah uh if you combine that with the second one uh which is monsters in the tomb have advantage on saving throws against being charmed or frightened and against features that turn undead it sort of begins to feel like maybe the lair is in itself a negative energy zone yeah 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 well th i think that's the idea is i think putting these all together you're supposed to get the sense that the demi lich is actively working against you this first one is nothing, so it doesn't bother me. Like, oh no, what are you gonna... Oh boy, I have a bad feeling about this Demi-Lich layer. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I meant in like the, the cute flavor way. Not in the, like literally negative energy zone. Like the spell negative energy wave. Yeah. 
yeah. like this is just, just a like, small pervasive thing yeah like and you interpret that visually as the dm however you would want just that's quite cool yeah i like that i like the idea that the demi lich is just exuding this thing naturally that would usually yeah. just be the source of a spell so yeah the, the second thing is that monsters in the tomb have advantage on saving throws against being charmed or frightened and against features that turn undead and i do like that quite a bit because then it does feel like the demi lich is this figure that is working actively against you so it feels good when you finally put him down because the demi lich has by proxy been harassing you the entire dungeon crawl so i like that quite a yeah. bit uh and <laughs> Just the idea of the Demi Lich, the entire dungeon crawl, just disembodied voice being like, Meh! Exactly, like, Meh! You cannot! You won't reach my inner sanctum! <laughs> it's some good stuff. <laughs> I like these Skeletor boys quite a bit. And again, this last little bit that is more functional than flavorful is that the tomb is warded against magical travel against creatures that the Demi Lich hasn't authorized. So, creatures that do not have the okay from Aserac, can't teleport into or out of the tomb or use planar travel to get in or get out any ingress or egress. You can teleport within the tomb and it's totally fine, but you can't use teleportation to get up inside that, that lich house. Yeah, if you're going to teleport while within the tomb, it has to be also into the tomb. <laughs> yeah, which is cool. I like that. That's fair. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah I'll get it. You can get it. We all can get it. <laughs> And as you'd expect, if the Demi Lich is destroyed, the effects fade over the course of 10 days, which is something that now that this is the second time this has happened, I do kind of want to camp out on it just a little teensy bit. I It's it's better in instances with vampires and abolis because those are more narrative, like the evil is slowly being purged out of this. But I kind of wish that these hard mechanical effects would just end immediately, exactly so you can feel that like, oh, we killed the Demi Lich, let's just teleport out of this bitch. Yeah, uh, for sure. I personally, I don't like that last one much at all, be kind of for that reason. Uh, mm. But I do, I do like the in the fucking self-imposed narrative that I put of a negative energy output from the Demi Lich transforming the layer a bit. I do like that. Yeah, yeah. If you can flavor it narratively, it becomes cool. But in this particular instance, I think it would feel a lot better from the player's perspective to just kill the Demi Lich and then, you know, have, you know, basically yeah. take away the power from this thing that has been frustrating you the entire time. Totally. All the color comes back to the tomb. Exactly. Yeah, I think that would feel good. But whatever. At least in this particular, like, I like it when it is the Abolith stuff and like, oh, this slime yeah. cave still feels corrupted. That feels fine to me because it is mostly a flavorful kind of thing. But in this particular instance... I'd like it to just drop immediately. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, so those are the lore and extra detail kind of stuff. Uh, have you got any final thoughts about that segment? <sighs> Not really. I kind of said what I what I like. Yeah. About it, I think. Yeah. Again, most of the lore stuff is minimal it is mostly just there to give you a basis for how a demi lich thinks in order for you to create your own uh which is fine and fair i wish that maybe there was a little bit more about Aserak's life so that maybe you could implement that character uh but... yeah they gave us they gave us quite a bit about lord soth i was kind of expecting yeah kind yeah of and instead more, than, it, it more turned... than just he was a lich that wanted to be a demi lich like yeah. that was pretty much yeah and I, and i wonder if that is intentional exactly because the kind of player that would be interested in going into a Tomb of Horrors and fighting a Saber-Diaserac Demi-Lich is exactly the kind of person that, to my mind, probably isn't interested in the 
grand tragic backstory <laughs> of this lich right they're kind of this is mostly a a dungeon crawl kind of creature yeah right and not necessarily your your grand sad boy uh that gets to have big tragic monologues and this is you know even in the silliness of the creature itself it all kind of fits together in that way right like it it makes a sense yeah i was actually like looking back up at that monologue at the top it it doesn't sound like they could give me any backstory that isn't just yeah i'm evil kill me yeah he's just a crazy weird evil wizard like yeah he just is that <laughs> yeah this is i almost because we don't really live in that age anymore i don't i i find that people who want dungeon crawls are existing less and less i don't imagine that this is the kind of creature that you would typically use in your average D campaign uh but this is probably uh. a good one-shot kind of guy <laughs> well yeah for sure he has great one-shot potential that's 100 percent. yeah i i like him all the same i i would like to create a demi lich and have that be the main in like kind of a comedy D <laughs> campaign like you know it's always sunny in D D land i think that this would be yeah. a good villain for that but, but there we go he just he just appears sometimes. Yeah. Just to taunt them. Yeah. It would be it would be kind of fun to turn it into a dramatic villain, right? Especially for very D D literate players who are expecting a clack and skeletor, and then he shows up and he's like, Why do I exist? My hubris has cost me everything I love. I think that would be hilarious in its own way. And then he just like very solemnly goes clack clack. <laughs> That is funnier than the idea of a Skeletor Demi-Lich, honestly. Yeah, Just well, like, that's what we get for being ironic millennials. He's fucking, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, he's alas poor Yorking himself. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's memento morying his own lich <laughs> So mechanically. So mechanically, the Demi-Lich is a tiny, capital T, undead, capital U, <laughs> uh, neutral evil in alignment. God, I love that it's just a skull. Like, it just it's seeing, just you know, a skull. A st it's a stat block of this size, and then you just swoop over the corner and it says tiny. That's amazing. That feels so good. <laughs> so they have a late game CR of 18 or 20 if they're in their lair, or 21 if they're a soul trap Demi-Lich, or 23 if they're a soul trap Demi-Lich in their lair. They have a tiny little HP of 80, which again is the, mm -hmm. the maximum of their allotted hit dice, which is strange, but whatever. I imagine there was a lot of testing that went into that decision. They have an above average AC of 20, which is supposedly its natural armor, but I like to think it's because they're just a fucking skull-sized person and that they're swooping around all over the place and are really hard to hit <laughs> because they're so little. Just around the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I just, I can't, like, get enough of it. Just a tiny little skull that is godlike in its ability. It's so good. <laughs> Why can't we hit this thing? As it's just like, and then the wizard falls over. It's so good. They they hover around because, of course, they do. The only thing that would be better is if they hopped around. They, they have a hover speed of 30. They also get a pretty fun spread for their attributes with a one strength because it's a fucking skull. 20 dexterity because I guess they're a fast skull. They got 10 constitution. <laughs> They got 20 intelligence, 17 wisdom, and 20 charisma, making them pretty I tough. I cannot believe 
that they didn't give any strength because I really thought looking at like before I knew anything about Demulich, I was like, oh, it'll have a bite attack because oh. D&D 5th edition has just trained me. Be still my heart. That would be so <laughs> good. Like it's appropriate too, right? Like, yeah, because they're hollowed, right? They've kind of lost their minds. It would make perfect sense if they had like a little nibble attack, like the shitty little <laughs> spectator one that does one damage. That would be so good. Yeah. Honestly, even just with the one strength, I kind of wish it had a one strength bite attack. Headcanon, that's what I'm doing. Like, if you ever throw down an <laughs> anti-magic on Demi-Lich, that is what they get. That is, they get the tiny little nibble. <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. And it would also, in that way that I talked about with Beholders back in the day, how you can really channel the sad, pathetic nature of the Beholder into their crappy bite attack, I think that, you know, if you threw a crappy bite attack onto this Demi-Lich, you could, if you wanted to do that super tragic Demi-Lich, uh, really highlight how pathetic the creatures become with that crappy bite. <laughs> but yeah, they're tough cookies, but they are appropriately tough cookies. They get good saving throws, which uh, will be supplemented in a pretty rough way with the trait that they have, getting later on. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a save bonus to constitution, and then they have a lot better save bonuses to their intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saves, meaning that the best way to do damage to these guys is through deck safe stuff. And I think it was very gracious of them to not throw in a crazy bonus to deck safe stuff, since this is pretty much the only way that the casters will do anything to this guy. Yeah, although realistically, their deck save is almost as good as their con save. Yeah, almost, but not quite there, right? So, you know, you don't want to give away the goose too easily. Uh, so yeah. I'm I'm fine that it is a plus five to their deck save. I am just I I think it was fair of them to not make it you know decks plus eleven. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which like at the same time fuck them for completely crippling the debuffers because they not only get a plus nine to their wisdom saves, they also are pretty much immune to all conditions. And this is admittedly skipping ahead a bit. But they are immune yeah. to being charmed, deafened, exhausted, frightened, paralyzed, and petrified, and poisoned, and proned, and stunned. Pretty much anything that you could do to a person, they are immune to. Which, like, yeah. fine, this is your save or die, this is the party killer monster, I get it. But, like, come on, let my, let yeah. my fear roar. Especially since this is, in the narrative, a lich that has lost their mind. I feel like it's fair to be able to charm them, or, like, take that mental assault in a way, to even just, like, fear them if necessary are liches immune to these things i they probably are i didn't have a whole lot of time to check liches are immune to charm exhaustion frightened paralyzed and poison yep yep so basically yeah basically all the things the, the reason why the demi lich would be immune to prone is because they hover i don't know why they're immune to stunned yeah. that feels weird like you at least let me stun the guy yeah but like, I guess it's because they don't have nerves. Oh, maybe, oh, but like you can charm a death knight. So like this is the space and like some of it could be it being undead. But I, it's it's weird. D&D, &D, I wish it would just be like Pokemon where these kinds <laughs> of creatures have these kinds of immunities and that's it. Like I, mm. I, I think it would be appropriate and flavorful to be able to make this sad skull fearful. Yeah. So there's that. They are also just flat out resistant to physical damage from magic weapons, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. They're resistant to that shit, which is the way to pad yeah, out. Yeah, which blows my fucking mind. It's because it's <laughs> they have 80 HP, so they want to pad out the sneak attacks and the crazy ass amount of 
attacks that the yeah. the fighter has. So like I get it. It's it's mostly a psychological power play, right? Like you want the players to be like, yeah. "Oh shit, it's just shrugging off our attacks." It does sound weird. I I'll admit. Yeah. It's straight out immune to necrotic, poison, psychic, and physical damage from non-magical weapons, which again like, man, I really wish I could do psychic damage on this sad skull. It doesn't feel like it should have that immunity, but whatever. Maybe it's because it's <laughs> yeah. completely mindless, but you can do psychic damage to skeletons, so, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. Inconsistencies. It's it's the name of 5th edition. It's fine. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I, I think that this is, you know, and this is the umpteenth time we've done this PSA, but I think it bears repeating again. If you are going to DM a creature, either have a clear narrative and telegraphing for its immunities... Or just strip out the ones that you feel are wrong. Yeah. Whatever works best in the logic that you have presented. They also get True Sight out to 120 feet, which like, yep, you're at that part of the game. That's fair. And they yeah, also, also get... it potentially has gems for us. Yep. And then they also get just a teensy little passive perception of 13, which is kind of cute. <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't speak any languages, or at least the book doesn't give us any languages, but man, I wish they did. Like, I wish it just said languages that it had in life, because I do want it in that Dark Souls hollow kind of way for them to just rave about the details of their lives before they lost their minds, right? To just like... Yeah, I just assumed they spoke all languages, but I looked back, and if they... If a creature speaks all languages, they say all. Yeah, it expressly so... designates that, yeah. It's weird that they don't get languages, especially because, like... Aserac can talk. We got an epitaph. Yeah. It's, it's, it's teeth tatter and Skeletor guy. Give me my teeth chatter and Skeletor dude. It's not like it wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's gonna be like the first like I've I almost wish we had just revisionist history, but like they speak all languages and then just not <laughs> just moved on because I think this is the first. I think this is the first time in this show where I feel pretty comfortable in saying no, that's bullshit. They speak all, they have true sight and they speak all languages. They speak there any language go. you want. So in terms of the traits they get, they get this real spicy one called avoidance, which is basically like evasion plus. If yeah, the Demi-Lich is subjected to an effect, any effect, any effect whatsoever, that allows it to make a saving throw to take only half damage, it instead takes no damage if it succeeds on the saving throw and only half damage if it fails. So like... This is so. This is the way that they pad out the crazy blast damage from the wizard slinging meteor storm. It's fair. I understand why they're doing it. I do really love the idea of this little Skeletor skull just matrix dodging out of hell. <laughs> I think that'll be quite funny and good. Oh yeah. And again, like I, I think the HP stuff works out okay. I think it's so specific that there must be a good rationale behind it. I wish I'd had time to like sit down and play test a demi lich fight with a team of level 20 kitted out characters. And again, just for like a fight like this, it feels like it's relying on lost psychology to impress upon the players just how tough this skull is. So it's supposed to be like an oh shit moment where instead of just having the Demi-Lich have 200 HP and whatever, they want the players to be like, oh shit, he's shrugging off our level 20 shit, like my Meteor Swarm, it does nothing. I think that is exactly kind of what they're playing at. And it also keys into the legendary resistances that the Demi-Lich has, right? So as a legendary creature, the Demi-Lich gets three legendary resistances per day where the Demi-Lich can just choose to succeed on saving throws, which I've mentioned before is being pretty cool. And I think that because of avoidance, it makes it extra cool where mm -hmm. like, 
Uh, and and it, I think it bears repeating. I love how Legendary Resistances turn D&D truly into nerd poker, where you as the players are trying <laughs> to bait the DM into blowing these Legendary Resistances on less impressive things in order to hit hard with the more powerful stuff. I think that turns into really cool, like like a poker level psychology play. Anytime you get a chance to mess with the psychology of a fight is good. <laughs> yeah, it turns into that like ninth dimensional chess way. Like it turns into the platonic ideal for any competitive game of any sort. Like I realize that D&D is not meant to be a competitive game in the traditional sense. Yeah. But it turns into that when like- When you get to higher levels, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, like it turns, and especially for a creature like this where- you know, in a Tomb of Horror scenario, it's pretty much stated, like, you are against the players, you want to kill them. I I like how this turns into a, what do I know about the DM, what does the DM know about me, and can we, like, you know, trap each other into corners based on this limited resource? I think that that, <laughs> that is quite cool. Um, just for my own sake, uh, just now, which might be why my phone froze, uh, I googled something just to see. Yeah. Because we've been we've been talking about meteor swarming this demi lich, yeah, a lot. Yes, and I was curious what the average damage of a meteor swarm is. A shit ton. Uh, the average is uh a hundred and forty. Yeah, which means the average a demi lich would take on a failure is seven. Yeah, yeah, demi lich die real quick if you. This is like it almost turns into a blitzkrieg kind of thing, and I always love me a fast deadly fight. Because um, the <laughs> yeah. longer the team will go on, the more likely they are to just flat out die, right? Like the Demi-Lich is more dangerous the longer the fight goes on. Yeah. I I love this idea of a really good play where, you know, you're just like baiting the DM into doing legendary. Like, I, you know, I, I cast my eighth level disintegration and I did da, 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 And like by degrees, you're chipping away at the, the, the Demi-Lich's resistances until finally you just end it with a big old meteor swarm. <laughs> I do love the idea of you of like starting the fight with meteor swarm and the demi lich takes like 69 damage, 70 damage, whatever. And you're like, aha, it's almost dead. And then the demi lich immediately does one of its other actions where it just sucks all that life back from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it's just like, that's a thing to note in the future because that is true. The demi lich <laughs> does get a life drain that is quite potent uh, it is it is a big boy for... yeah yeah it's quite a good thing and that is the thing that keeps the demi lich survivable for for long rounds but yeah so like just to clear up the rest of the traits the last trait they get is turn immunity because of course they do they can't be turned by clerics fine yeah it's the big it's the big undead it is the big undead that makes a sense yeah. he is the big undead the, the big, big undead. skull mm, this tiny skull is <laughs> i summon you <laughs> and then you hear like a big rumbling and then it's tiny <laughs> That old chestnut. I am the big skull. Ah! Oh, yeah. oh well. Yeah. So in terms of its actions, it gets the the big one, the thing that turns this fight into the er example of the Banshee fight. It gets Howl. Uh, it's on a five to six recharge, which is pretty good for what it does. The Demi-Lich just yells at shit, and then every creature within 30 feet of the Demi-Lich that can hear it has to succeed on a DC 15 constitution save or drop to zero HP, which, like... DC 15 is significantly below what it could be for a creature of this challenge rating, but again... Yeah, 19, like the rest of it stuff. Yeah, but again, I think only barbarians have proficiency in con saves, so this could be pretty rough for a lot of the party. Sorcerers. 
sorcerers also. Oh, sorcerers also. Okay. Yeah, but the rest. Yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> for two of the twelve kinds of classes, this is okay, and then for the rest, it could be bad news. Oh yeah. And even if they do succeed the save, the creature is frightened until the end of the next turn, making it worse for the rest of the fight. <laughs> so like, this is this is sad boy hours for the party. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's some good shit though. Yeah, yeah. Again, we're at the point in the game where like, fuck it, just hurt me, daddy. So we can't really judge the demi lich by the same scale that we do bugbears and whatnot. It, yeah, it's kind of wild. Like I. It, it's a little early to be saying this, but I do think that it's cool that the Demi-Lich stat block is as simple as it is and feels like it could probably challenge a level 20 party alone. Yeah, yeah, it's it doesn't hold any punches, but the flow of the combat itself is very elegant because it is expressly centered around this one attack and then everything else yeah. serves, for the most part, to help supplement this one attack while keeping the Demi-Lich alive to just kind of basically luck the party into death. <laughs> Which is kind of cool in its own right, and very thematically appropriate for a save-or-die kind of dungeon crawl, which is what these guys are built for. Yeah. So the other primary action that the Demi-Lich can take is Life Drain, which is like a vampiric touch kind of thing. It's very gnarly. Basically, the Demi-Lich, it targets up to three creatures that it can see within 10 feet of it, so it can do this on three separate things within 10 feet of it. It's got the reach. Each target must succeed on a DC 19 con save, which, again, DC 15 con is rough for most party members. DC 19, that ain't gonna work, baby. That ain't gonna work. They succeed on the save, or they take a somewhat paltry, but, you know, this will end up being 63 points of necrotic damage all total. They, each individual person ends up taking 21, 66 necrotic damage, and the Demi-Lich regains the hit points equal to the total damage dealt to all targets. So realistically, not, yeah, not half, all yeah, of it, <laughs> all of it. So realistically, the Demi Lich is topping itself off pretty much any turn it chooses to do this, which is every turn that the howl is not recharged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you, you do pretty much have to coordinate with this, right? Like you as the party, you have to be like, all right, I have my one meteor swarm that I can do this one time because they're out of legendary resistances. Jeff the Paladin, you rush in with your Holy Avenger and let's finish this in one turn because we can only do this in one turn. It's very dramatic. It is very cool. And because we're at this point in D&D, I don't feel weird about it in the same way that I would with most monsters. Yeah, for sure. No. And, and honestly, like, even if it was a little lower CR, there's something about the energy the Demi-Lich brings to the room that makes it feel totally fine. Yeah, well, it's just such a little tiny happy Skeletor. Like, whatever. You drain the shit out of me, sir. You do whatever you gotta do. I want you to succeed. I I voted for Demi-Lich. Normally, I'm on the player's side, but this time, I'm on the Demi-Lich side. Yeah, and it just helps out that rogue heel turn, what with the eyes and the gems and whatnot. <laughs> So in addition to that, the Demi-Lich being a legendary creature, it gets legendary actions. And we, again, mentioned this way back when with Avalis. How it works is the Demi-Lich can take three legendary actions, choosing from a set of options that we'll discuss. Only one legendary action option can be used at a time and only at the end of another creature's turn. So this is the action economy thing that helps the, the weird stacked nature of a bunch of dudes fighting one dude. This is the thing that pads yeah. out a singular entity without throwing a whole bunch of ads into the fight. 
Yeah, Aboliths, Beholders, Demi-Liches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Demi-Lich regains their spent legendary actions at the start of its next turn. So, in order, we got Flight, where the Demi-Lich just flies up to half its speed. This coordinating with the lair action prone thing where it rocks the house, uh, this is the thing that keeps the Demi-Lich out of Sword's reach from the crazy, crazy fighter or the paladin with the big old sword. The next one that it gets is Cloud of Dust, where the Demi-Lich can magically swirl up its ghost bits and each creature within 10 feet of the Demi-Lich, including things that are around the corners, must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw or be blinded until the end of the Demi-Lich's next turn. This is another thing that helps the Demi-Lich defensively take cover from the big scary fighter who has like five attacks at this time, whatever. Uh, Importantly, the creature that succeeds on the saving throw is immune to this effect until the end of the Demi-Lich's next turn, so they don't have to worry about being spammed with this cloud of dust throughout the entire round, but this is something to help the Demi-Lich survive a little bit longer in order to pull off a life drain or what have you. Yeah. The next thing that it gets is called Energy Drain, and this takes two of the legendary actions, so you can only do this once per round. Each creature within 30 feet of the Demi-Lich must make a DC 15 constitution saving throw. And on a failed save, the creature's hit point maximum is reduced by 10 or 3d6. If the creature's hit point maximum is reduced to zero by this effect, they die. And a the hit point maximum can be restored if you cast Greater Restoration or some similar kind of holy magic. This, yeah. this is another synergistic thing with the Howl uh, and the... Uh, the, the layer action that keeps things from regaining HP, right? So this is kind of the, the other super dangerous thing that the Demi-Lich can do, where the idea is, you know, it's casting Hal to keep players down and then trying to mop up with this energy drain and this life drain. And this yeah, is what... It, it, it doesn't actually do damage, right? It just reduces the maximum hit points. Yes. Yeah, so realistically you know if the life drain disparity is too much they the player might not ever particularly feel this but this is just leaning further into that ethos of this encounter where you want the demi lich done as quickly as possible right this is again supposed Mm -hmm. to be a blitzkrieg kind of fight and this is the way to make the players feel that where by degrees they're being more of attrition down to zero hp with this energy drain yeah I was actually going to say it almost kind of puts the fight on more of a timer than before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yup. Which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I was trying to like liken it to something else. And I think like the best I've got is it's almost like a mass vampire bite. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite similar. Um, or like <laughs> fucking <laughs> shrive my soul, but it does feel like the, the super boss in kingdom hearts one with the phantom. Oh, it's on the timer, uh-huh. like literally on a timer. This is just yeah, what came to yeah. mind. I'm sorry. I won't bring it up again. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then lastly, the big major legendary action that the Demi-Lich gets. It costs three actions. It's its big special move. It's called Vile Curse. And the Demi-Lich targets one creature it can see within 30 feet of it. And that target must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom save, which is attainable, not so bad, or be magically cursed. Until the curse ends, which... You know, the the target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of their turn. So, again, it's not super bad, but until the curse ends, the target has disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. And this is the big setup thing, right? This is the thing where, like, mm-hmm. oh, I recharged my howl. I'm going to hold on to it for a second and then curse the paladin or the big scary wizard and then, you know, set them up with this curse such that they 
probably won't be able to make the howl unless they roll crazy. Then I can take out that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. It it almost like it almost feels like uh, a waste of your three legendary actions. What with like having these other things, but absolutely, it's like if you have howl, this is the one. Yeah, yeah, it's your setup, it's your death blow, right? (laughs) So this is the thing where, especially if you're in the lair and you can, you know, sink down the the lair action, can't return your HP. Oh, yeah. This is the thing where, you know, at the end of the round, you do Vile Curse, the entire team is like, man, the Demulich hasn't done anything for a couple of turns. You dump Vile Curse, you do the lair action, you do Howl the next chance you get, and you just waste a motherfucker. (laughs) Or you're the worst person in the world and you curse someone and then use the trap soul on the upgraded demi lich oh yeah that too yeah (laughs) which again we're in i cannot stress this enough we're in the reeds (laughs) that's not the phrase we're in the weeds with this shit we're like be that guy like this is that fight all of the shit the entirety of tooth and nail where we're like don't be that guy this is the one time where you can probably be that guy because you're probably in a situation where the players are asking for it oh yeah for sure and also, I I just want to reiterate about Trap Soul. I we talked about it, and I like yeah. I don't know if it totally sank in, like when I said it, when you said it. It is just an action, and yeah. it does not have a recharge. Yeah, <laughs> you can just straight up kill kill. You can just straight up murder. Yeah, DC nineteen save or just die. Yeah, and it's like a hard death too. It's not just a raised death death. They'd have to do yeah. like true resurrection and spend a bunch of money. The soul is gone. No, yeah. I don't think True Resurrection can resurrect if there's no soul. Really? I think True Resurrection... Uh, we're getting into that time in Tooth and Nail where we gotta go online and look up a spell real quick. Here we go, I got it. Cool. I'll, I'll Google it, I'm on, I'm on it. If the creature's soul is free and willing... Oh, damn. <laughs> it is hard death. <laughs> it is hard, permanent death. <laughs> oh, boy, that's the true death right there. Ah <laughs> oh, dang. That's Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah, so yeah. If you if the player if you're in the situation where you're doing a tomb of horrors, the players are like hurt me more, daddy, that is the, the combo <laughs> to end all combos where you vile curse, you do the no restore HP thing, and then you just slam them with with uh with a howl and then maybe a uh soul trap. <laughs> Just that there is no more. Hurt yeah. me more, daddy ends there. That is it. That is yeah. the extent. That is you've hurt me, daddy. I've I finally <laughs> attained my oneness. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Yep. I just well, I really needed to get like we had talked about it, but I really needed to put that back out there. Like Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And that's why that is uh challenge rating twenty three or whatever fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that is the party ender. Yeah, so in terms of encounter design stuff, uh, don't add more things. The Demi-Lich works pretty well by itself. In fact, in terms of, like, environment design, eh? Like, this is one of the few times where you can just... Yeah, I literally can't imagine Yeah, it's just a cave. Like, Yeah, pretty much. You could just throw in a room. And in fact, when D&D gave you the Tomb of Horrors revamp, they did just throw it in a room. I think, you know, if you want, you can be... You can sex it up real sexy with some pillars and whatnot, but for the most part, this is one of those creatures that are pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. I think, you know, don't... It's interesting, because you can do a lot of neat things with space in this particular fight, because, like, 
most of the dangerous things that the Demi-Lich can do, it can only do within 10 to 30 feet. There, it, it's, yes, with space, it is interesting that it is almost exclusively 10 to 30 feet, because if, say, the room is 60 feet on all sides, let's just throw out a number. Yeah. Uh, at this level, your wizard probably has, like, wall of force, and you can just block the entire skull yeah. from getting to your party while you guys prepare. Yeah, and yeah. I I think, you know, I think the Demi-Lich was structured specifically in that way that the Demi-Lich does need to be within a certain amount of feet to do the attack and then use its legendary actions to dart in and out because it becomes this, you as the DM, it's really kind of like elegant and amazing where you as the DM are choosing specifically to use your legendary actions for sustainability, either to do blind or, you know, use the, the flight action to get away in order to, like, try to position yourself or maybe, like, knock down the party members specifically so that they are taking a defensive action so you can rush mm-hmm. in with Vile Curse and kill a party member. It becomes this very elegant ebb and flow of battle kind of thing. I really, really love it. Yeah, it's hella cool. It is I, very cool. I was... I, I think I underestimated the Demi-Lich in terms of its self-sustainability and the flow of combat it presents when I first looked at it. It's quite cool. And then, like, you know, obviously you're doing Howl whenever you can, but sometimes you might want to hold on to a Howl specifically so you can curse him at first. Or if you're running yeah. low on health and you need to top off, you can do Life Drain another turn and then maybe use your legendary actions to dart out of the way. It is really cool and good. I really like it quite a lot. I think in terms of... Because I've seen a couple of... Like, I've read through Mordenkainen's and I've, you know, done the Monster a Day subreddit and seen a whole lot of party killers. I think that yeah. this is a really, really prettily designed, very elegant party killer. Yeah, it's a really cool one. It feels just fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it feels <laughs> tactical enough, right? It doesn't necessarily, yeah. like, it. there is enough of that hurt me more, daddy, while still being like, oh, if we wanted to, you know, we could press the advantage make the Demi-Lich scurry away, and then this turn won't be so bad for us. But if we decide to turtle up, the Demi-Lich might rain hell on us, and this could be the turn that ends us all. While at the same time you're playing nerd poker with the legendary resistances, I think that this is just really cool and complex with not a lot of stuff, right? So, like, when I first saw the Demi-Lich, I was expecting it to have a shit ton of spells and garbage and stuff to complexify the encounter with a lot of extraneous things. Looking at it now, it is very elegant, and everything is kind of to a point. Even the layer actions, like the prone, is to a point, and the keeping the party from being able to regain HP is to a point, and all of these, like the flight, is to a point, and the cloud of dust is to a point, and the energy drain is to a point. Everything is. Yeah. It's like it's it's the it's my favorite definition of perfect. Where if you took anything away from it or added anything to it, it would ruin it. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite good. It's quite Uh-oh, good. Oh, Demi-Lich might be the best monster we've talked about so far. Oh, I think, you know, you might be right. Like, Banshee was very, very good, but there was some hemming and hawing. Cloakers are very, very good. I, I think, yeah, right now it, it is a toss-up. I'd have to look back at Cloakers real quick. I think it might be... uh, I, Just because, you know, it's... it's They're different tools for different situations, right? The Demi-Lich is a yeah. perfect, like save or die let's end this campaign let's all go out in a blaze of glory no matter what happens this is going to be a boss fight to remember kind of fight whereas the cloaker yeah. i think is just like a good like you know rainy day haven't had a good encounter in a bit let's just do a cloaker it's all reliable 
kind of monster. Yeah, that's fair. But the Demi-Lish is really fucking good. It's really good. <laughs> really, really good. Hmm. Yeah. I'm throwing my hat in the Demi-Lich's ring because I love me a good boss. You know, it's interesting. I, I, and I may or may not cut this out. I'm looking back at the cloaker right now because I do want to resolve this in my brain. Uh-huh. I think, you know, I, I think if nothing else, they've both taught me what is important in mechanical monster design, which is go for a specific gimmick and then design everything around that gimmick. So the cloaker was entirely designed around the suffocating a player thing, right? It swoops down, mm -hmm. and then it does a bunch of damage over time and suffocates the player, and you have to go and really quickly save it really quickly. Whereas the Demi-Lich is completely designed around, oh, I have this howl that can drop everything to zero HP, but also I don't have a lot of HP myself, so we have to, like, do this interplay. And I, I think that is what it is, right? It's pick your, your single lane... And then make that single lane the best lane you could drive down. Make that the smoothest, <laughs> buttery ride to Disney, to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I get it. And I, I uh, so so it's difficult to say which one I like more, right? And this was also mostly true with uh, Banshees as well. It was, let's design everything around the D Banshee being able to drop the entire party to zero HP right off the bat. And then yeah. it becomes like a chase, right? Where the Banshee is trying to get out of harm's way while, you know, trying to pick off whatever party members are trying to track it down. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the case. I think that, if nothing else, I super agree that the Demi-Lich is in the top three best monsters that we've done so <laughs> far. Uh, I'll take it. I think it's quite good. I think it's quite good. Yeah, I think my only little quibble is the weirdness of damage and condition immunities, but that mm. is more just a problem with the addition more than with this particular dude. Yeah. Yeah. Good skull. Good clacky boy. And that, I think, will do it for Demi-Liches. Thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Tooth & Nail. If you liked it, feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to us, Spotify or our janky, janky front site or whatever. Uh, do it up, s'il vous plaît. In the meantime, if you're <laughs> sick of listening to Tooth & Nail, feel free to check out some more stuff on nerdsmith.org, our parent of fist... We've got a whole bunch of really cool stuff like Monster Crush and Dear DM and all the things that are over there. So feel free to browse and look over. Crossroads is cool and all sorts of things. There's compositional stuff. We, there are people who make music. There are people who make art. There are people who make things that are gaming related. We got it all, baby. We got all the shit. So check that garbo out, you slime. I'm going <laughs> to cut that up. We got all the shit, so check it out. In the meantime, what is a good creature comfort for this one check out your teeth go to the dentist <laughs> go to the dentist set down the cocoa to, on this go one go to the eye doctor as well just in case yeah make sure your jaws are right because you want it you want it to be nice and clackable for when you turn into a skull for we shall all turn into skull one day i tried clacking i don't uh, know if it picked up on anything but i tried clacking i'm sorry is your jaw okay my jaw's okay okay good have a good day bye Yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> cool.